Amen. Amen. How about one more round of applause for, uh, <clears throat> for not only our worship team, but for God himself, uh, who we are here to worship. Uh, welcome, Newtown Road. It's good to be in God's house this morning, isn't it? Beautiful day. Um, thank you for being here in person. And a welcome and thank you for all those who are tuning in online, Facebook, YouTube. We are glad that you are with us this morning. We're glad that we have the opportunity to do this again. We must have done something right last week because we're able to, to be back here this week. Um, and uh, uh, we appreciate you being here. If you are a first-time guest or a visitor uh, or have been coming maybe for a week or two, uh, we want to say thanks for joining us, for being with us. We would love to know that you're here, and although we can't hand you a communication card to fill out and hand back to us, we'd ask that you go uh, onto our Church Center app and fill out a communication card. That's the best way we know how to get you information uh, that you need to know and for us to get information that we need to know. And if you are watching online, there's a link in the comments section below that you can click uh, and fill out that communication card so that we know that you're here and that you're a part of what God's doing at our church. Now, I've got a couple quick announcements this morning. First of all, if you are a family and you haven't registered for your summer box of fun, It's a dramatic pause so that you will clap. Um, if you haven't registered for that, I don't know you, okay? But uh, grab one of those. Our team, Heather and her team, worked really hard putting those together. So thank you, Heather. And uh, those are amazing. Our family has loved it so far. And we just registered for four extra boxes for our neighbors. So if you have neighbors, family members, um, uh, you know, kids you see on the street, I don't know, um, teammates, friends, that you would like to use those boxes as an outreach to them. Uh, please register for those, grab those, we would gladly give you a few extra boxes for that. Uh, secondly, this morning, after the, this service, there's going to be a congregational meeting, and so I'm going to let Pastor Matt kind of explain a little bit more about that when he gets up here, but I just wanted to uh, remind you about that meeting right after this service this morning. Um, I would ask that you continue to register for these uh, Sunday morning gatherings. We know that's not ideal, but just to make sure that we are safe and doing everything we can, and to make sure that you don't show up and get turned away, that we have seats available for you, we ask for the time being to just register beforehand each week. Uh, that would be great. If you are here and ready and, and willing to give this morning of your tithes and your offerings, we want to say thank you. The faithfulness of our church and faithfulness of you uh, has been amazing. There are boxes kind of hanging on the wall by the doors. As you exit this morning, you can give your tithes and offerings that way uh, this morning. Again, we are glad that you're here. We look forward to seeing what God does through his word. I'm going to hand it over to Pastor Matt. Thank you, Tyler. It is good to see you here this morning, and uh, cannot wait to see what God is going to do with our time 
together. So whether you're here in person or tuning in uh, via the live stream, thank you for being here and being part of that. Like Tyler mentioned, we are going to have a congregational meeting immediately following the service. And just so you're aware, we're going to be hitting a financial update, which is going to be some really encouraging news. Uh, And then we're also going to be talking about a policy that the elders have been kicking around for a long, long time uh, that we plan to implement. And that one might not be suitable for all of our youngest viewers. And so uh, we're going to give some time at the end of the service for those of you with little ones who would choose to step out to do that. Um, But then we're going to give that update in about five minutes after the service is over today. So last week, we jumped into a new series on the church, and we called it Essential. And I don't know, maybe you'll recall that we did that in order to remind ourselves that even with all that is changing and different and missing in the world, um, the most essential things about our church fellowship are still there. The most essential things haven't been hindered. They haven't been thwarted. In fact, they've actually strengthened through all of this. Because God has this wonderful way of taking trials and bringing perseverance and faith to us in all of that. Which is why we, sing th- we, we say like we can count the joy in every battle. Because we know that's where he'll be. Because James tells us to consider it joy, my brothers, when you face trials of any, many kinds. Because we know that the trial, through the trial, produces perseverance and faith in our lives. And the same has been true in our church. The most essential things are still here. They haven't been hindered. Last week we talked about the essential nature of our church. What is a church and what is it like? And we talked about how the church was like a family, and it's like a flock, and it's like a body. It's like a field. A, it's like a vine and branches. It's like a lot of different things. Today, today we're going to talk a bit about the members of the church, how each one is important and has a part to play. Each one is valuable to the overall health of the church. Are you ready? We'll be in 1 Corinthians 12 this morning. 1 Corinthians 12, if you brought your Bible, 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 12 Verse 12 is where we're going to start. And if not, you can read along behind me on the screen. Here's what Paul says to the church at Corinth, which had its own issues, by the way, with division and uh, some, some other discord. He says this, For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. And if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members of the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. 
If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now you are, all, you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. Just a quick word of prayer. Father, thank you for your word. Speak to us today so we can hear and understand and know what we're supposed to learn. Open our minds that we'd be ready to receive. Push aside distraction. Help us have faith to believe the words that we're reading. And Holy Spirit, do the work that you can do by illuminating the pages of the scripture and helping our hearts to receive them. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Paul is talking to us about the different members of the body of Christ. And there are a lot of different members in the body. In fact, that's what he says right away. Now, I've arranged my thoughts around three different statements this morning. The first is this, that we are different but still one. The body is different, but it's, it's still one. The whole passage here is built on the verse in, in verse 7, where Paul says to the church in Corinth, to each has been given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Each member of the church, each true member of the church, is somebody who has expressed faith in Jesus Christ, and through that faith has been united together with the body. And when that happens... When believers in Jesus are united together with him, the Bible tells us that we are given spiritual gifts, manifestations of the Holy Spirit, that God gives each of us gifts, not not usually one, multiple gifts and abilities that, that are to be used for the building up the common good of the body. So it is in the context of those gifts that Paul is talking here right now. And he says... He says, we might be different, but we're one. The church is just like the human body. For just as the body is one body and has many members, so it is with Christ. So he's talking now, he's making an allusion to our human bodies that have thousands of different members, different organs and different systems, and yet all are driven by the same common goals, the health and the life of the body. You see, the body grows and is healthy when all the systems and all the parts are working together. But when they stop doing that, then you need medical help. Right? When, when the organs shut down and wage war against the rest of the body, then there's a problem and you need to seek some, some outside assistance. He said, it, it's like that with our body. We are, our bodies are made up of many members, but it, there's really just one body. And the same is true of the church those in Christ. There's a lot of different members, but we're still one. We have this one corporate identity as the body of Christ. And he says that there is unity in the diversity. It is God's design. It's God's plan. It's his perfect wisdom that the church family should be diverse. They aren't and should not be completely and utterly the same. See, unity is not uniformity. Did you hear that? Unity is not uniformity. That doesn't mean that we're all robots. That doesn't mean we think the same on every specific issue. That doesn't mean our experiences are the same in everything. It doesn't mean our tastes, our desires, our our expressions of worship, our backgrounds, our personal convictions. There's, There's a spectrum of differences that make up the body. And that's actually by God's design. There's a reason opposites attract. We don't, all, we don't often like the people just like us. The truth is, those of you who are parents, the, I would guess that the one, the, the child that you have the most strain with 
is probably the one that's most like you. How boring would it be if the whole church were the same? We need that diversity. How boring would it be if our families were all the same? No, as it is, the family is diverse. Again, those of you who are parents, you ever look at your kid and go, where did you get that from? Because it didn't come from me, and I know it didn't come from her. Where, where in the world did that come from? There, there is diversity in the family of God. It's actually by God's design. He wants it that way. And guys, the more diverse the congregation is, the greater the testimony to the power of the gospel to take disunified people and make them one. Now, the unity of the church body isn't a unity based on common worldly experience. experience. We talked about that a little bit last week. It's a oneness and a closeness that is spiritual. It's, it's a relationship with God rooted in the baptism of the Spirit. And when we come to faith in Christ, we are all baptized into the Holy Spirit. Baptized into one Holy Spirit. There's not multiple Holy Spirits. There's one He's a part of the Trinity. He is a person, and we are all baptized into him. So we have this unity that is not worldly unity, not based on common experience in that way, but a common Savior. And he said, Paul says this, this is crazy. He says, even though we're different, we are one in Christ. He says, Jews and Greeks, slaves and free. Now, we don't want to read over that without thinking about the enormous chasm that exists between the Jewish people and the Gentile people. There was a lot of animosity there. There is a lot of bitterness. There's a lot of history there. And Paul says, no, that, that because both Jews and Greeks and Gentiles were baptized into the same spirit, there's a unity there. In fact, in Ephesians, he talks about this. In the second chapter of Ephesians, Paul says that through Christ, that a dividing wall of hostility has been torn down. And God did, through the death of Jesus, what couldn't be done any other way, creating one man where two once existed. Where Jews and Greeks once stood, now there is one body of faithful followers of Jesus. Look at these opposing groups that everything in their world tells them they should be separate God says, no, you're together and you're one because of my spirit. So the spiritual unity we share binds us together even when most things in this world tell us that we should be separate and different. And we talked a little bit about that last week too. I won't bore you again. All right. So we are different, but we're one. Secondly, I think what Paul is saying to us is we are different, but we are not competing you see, the body consists by God's wise design of many members. But we said, not everyone is the same. And Paul's addressing something pretty damaging in a pretty helpful way. He cautions the church in Corinth, and us too, against the danger of comparison. That's what he means when he says, if the foot, uh, yeah, if the foot should say, I don't I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body. Or if, or if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body. They're comparing themselves with the other members of the body. And because they don't have the same giftedness, because they're not being used in the same way, they start to feel like they're not a real valuable part of the body. There's a danger in comparison, which is why it's not wise to compare ourselves. And the danger of comparison is you're walking this tightrope, and if you're not careful, you're going to fall off on one side or the other. And you can fall off onto the side of despair, because you, 
Sometimes, guys, we look at other people's giftedness, other people's ability, we see the way God has used them in our lives, and we, we, we begin to get discouraged because we don't think we can do that for other people. And so we think, well, I wish I was gifted like that person because that person's been such a blessing to me, I don't think I'm a blessing to anybody. You know, the reality is the people that bless you most are people who are gifted in different ways than you. It's the most, it's the most bizarre thing. When, when God really wants to shake me and wake me up and show me something that I've not seen before, he usually chooses somebody who's very different than me. But we start to think that I don't have those gifts so God can't use me. And then we start to think that I don't have a place I don't have a purpose. I don't, I don't have any gifts that God might use to build up the church. Who am I? We get that whole Eeyore, dark cloud hanging over us all the time. So we don't, we don't want to compare ourselves because it's possible that by comparing, we might lose heart and think that we don't have gifts to give to God that would bless the church. But there's another danger. So not only, not only do we run the risk of getting uh, or, or falling into despair, we also run the risk of pride. When we start to compare our gifts and our sacrifice and our service with what other people are doing in the church, we start to think that we're pretty special. Man, this place is really lucky to have me. I tell you what, after all, with all this work I'm doing here, this is the reason we're doing well as a church, because of my efforts. And if I, didn't, if I wasn't here in my post, man, what a hole that that would leave. My goodness, I don't have to tell you how foolish that is, right? church is, is bigger than any one of us. Any personality, any leader, any giftedness, the church is way bigger, way broader, way more deep and enriching than just that. So when we compare ourselves, we, we could fall into the trap of despair or the trap of arrogance and pride. And both of those don't honor the Lord. Both of those are discouraging. Both of them harm the unity of the church. They don't build it up. Now I would offer this, this caveat. I think there is a place for comparison in certain areas. And I would, I would look at the area of, of spiritual maturity. If there are people in the fellowship who possess a great level of maturity, it is wise to compare your life with theirs and seek to honor God by following their example. When Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ, I would, I would look at that. When we, when we look to the older men and older women in the congregation to see how we are to live life, people who've been walking with the Lord a long time who have maturity, it's wise to compare their lives with ours and seek to honor that example. But other than that, we should push aside these comparisons. We're not competing. We're not competing. Verse 17 and 18, in God's wisdom, God created diversity in the church by his design, arranging each part as he chose. And if we were all the same, the body would be limited and hindered. So we're different, yes, but we're still one. And we're different, yeah, but we're still on the same team. We should not be setting ourselves up for comparisons and for competition. That doesn't honor the Lord. That doesn't bring joy to our hearts as we try to serve him. If we're focused on us, either in despair or pride, it robs us of the ability to serve our brothers and sisters because we're only thinking about us. And in that way, it's two sides of the same coin, a self-focus. No, no, we're different, but we're not competing. In the diversity of the gifts, God has built a wonderful fellowship 
And in the diversity of the gifts, the fullness of the church family is seen. Number three, we're different, but we're not independent. No one, no member of the body, no person can claim to be independent of the other members. The eye can't claim that he doesn't need the hand. The head can't say, I don't need the feet. But think about that. Does the eye really need the hand? I mean, I got two eyes. I can see just fine. My hands don't really contribute to the function of my eye. What? A couple years ago, I, uh, I started coming down with iritis, which is like this weird old man issue that I have. I'm not even kidding. Like, I go to the doctor and everybody in there is like 75 and up, except for me. And so I, I have this issue with iritis. My iris, it gets inflamed and, it, and I, it's really sensitive to the sun and I, I can't see real good and, and it gets blurry and cloudy and it's a mess. And you know what happens? <laughs> I need my hands to apply the drops. My eye doesn't need my hands for basic function when it's healthy, but when I have a need. The other members of the body are able to provide healing. Some, that, that might be a way to interpret that a little bit. You might say, well, in my giftedness, when I'm serving it out of joy and gladness, I can do that under the power of the Spirit, and there's not a lot that's lacking. I can do that faithfully. But when you're in need, you draw help from the other members of the body. <laughs> the head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. And for an example of that, just get up and try to go to the bathroom at night. When you're stumbling through the dark and you kick your toe on the, on the corner of your dresser, mumbling under your breath, stumbling into the bathroom. The head needs the feet. The feet need the head. Or else you're not getting anywhere. And then he says, the ones that appear weaker or less visible, they often are more important. You can't see my heart, but it's quite an important member of my body. Thankfully, it's on the inside where it's supposed to be. If you could see it, there'd be a problem. You'd be able to tell if something's wrong with it, but you don't get to see it. You see, sometimes, sometimes we place an undue prominence and value on the visible parts of the body. The church body is not the collection of pastors and elders. We know that, right? The church body is not just the public ministry gifts that a few possess. The church body is the rich diversity of the entire thing. The part that we play may be visible, but it's actually really limited. The, the body's bigger than just the presentable pieces. And the parts that we might consider dishonorable, we cover up and we treat, we treat with greater discretion and modesty. God's plan is that there would be no division in the body. That's what he's getting at. Pride and arrogance, despair and discouragement, backbiting and slander, anger and malice, all of that needs to go away. Unity is what was important in the church at Corinth, what was necessary in Corinth. It's what's necessary today. Our one, we're one body, and, and in what happens as we share that corporate identity because we are part of this body, then we start to have corporate experiences and corporate reactions. So that when one of us suffers, we all suffer together. When someone gets sick, we all pray for healing. 
when someone passes away, we all mourn together. And when somebody is honored, we rejoice together. We celebrate together. We show empathy and concern and a basic level of human dignity and compassion towards one another. Because our experiences and our responses become corporate through the relationships we have with one another. Paul says, you're the body of Christ and individually members of it. All right, so what? What does all that mean for us today? I'm glad you asked that question. And if you didn't, you're still about to get some answers. Here you go. One, there is a precious and an essential unity in the church that is not based on the common experience of this world. And it's not based on uniformity. It's not based on the fact that we all think exactly the same about all different things. The unity of the church is based on the spirit of Jesus. On the free gift of salvation that he's granted. On being baptized into one spirit. And if that's your experience, if you've been converted, if you've been born again, if you've been saved by God's grace and baptized into his spirit, then we have a special unity that the things of this world can't touch. Even when all the other markers in our lives would tell us in worldly wisdom, we should be separate and different. The unity of the spirit draws us together. And secondly, the diversity of gifts is by God's design. We aren't all gifted in the same way, and we're not supposed to be. Each member of the body has been given different work to do to serve the body. The question each of us needs to ask is, what has God gifted me to do, and am I using those gifts to build up the body? And you might say, man, I don't even know. I don't even know what God has gifted me to do. You know the best way to find out? Jump in and start serving somewhere. Start meeting other people. Get involved in a group, a life group, a men's group. Find a way to connect. Because oftentimes, the gifts that God's given you to build up the body, you don't even know you have until somebody more mature than you comes along and says, hey, when you do that thing that you do, God moves in my heart and blesses me. You need to do more of that. I'm in teaching ministries today because a handful of people at very precise moments came alongside me and said, when you did that thing, when you delivered that message, when you prepared that Bible study, I don't know what was going on, but God was speaking to me through it. You need to do more of that. Which explains why I'm here, because I almost failed speech in high school. I'm terrified of you people. We're all gifted differently, right? Thirdly, the body the church is designed to work in an interdependent way. We need each other. We can't do this on our own. We need the gifts that other people have. We need to serve them with the gifts that God has provided for us. So here's what that means. In order for our church family to thrive and be healthy, in order for us to see the fullness of all that God desires for this place, that requires all of us to honor the Lord and love the church and serve it according to the way God gifted us. We can't lean on a, the gifts of a few. We, we can't lean on the gifts of a few. I think that's why the author of Hebrews says we're not supposed to forsake the assembling of ourselves together. Because when we serve each other as we're fellowshipping together, we stir each other up to love and to good deeds and faithfulness. We build up the body. And if I could be so bold, when you're not here, we miss you. 
And not just I miss seeing you. When you're not engaged in the life of the church, we miss what you bring. Your giftedness, your abilities, your encouragement, the way you, your prayer support, your edification, we miss you. What, what this requires, if we're going to be obedient to this, what, re, what it requires of each of us is a death to our own desires and a prioritization of the church family. We have to be willing to sacrifice and serve. We cannot lean on the gifts of a few. Here's, here's what happens. Here's an example of how this might work. You might think, well, I don't, I don't have a lot to provide. I, when I come to church or I get involved in a group, I don't say a whole lot. And so I don't have, I don't have those gifts that you do up there teaching people the Bible. So I, I, I just, I don't, there's not a lot there. I, think about your family car, okay? The one that you take on your vacations, right? The one you put your 173 children in and schlep them down to the south, right? That car, before you leave for your vacation, you probably get it checked out. Right? You, you, want the, you want the visible pieces all fixed, right? You want the tires to be pumped up and balanced and ready to go. You want to make sure the brakes are working. That's a good thing. You want to make sure the AC is working if it's the summertime and the heat in the wintertime. All the, all the most prominent pieces are checked. But the reality is there's a lot of other smaller pieces that will derail your trip. And you don't even know where they are. You ever try to drive a car without a fuel pump? I couldn't, I can't find the fuel pump. I don't know, it's probably right under the flux capacitor in there. I just don't know where it is. What if your starter just decides to, to just give up on you? I don't know where that is either. There are a ton of essential pieces to the engine that you can't fix, you don't even know where they are, that provide essential services to the vehicle. I want to encourage you today. We need you. And if God has united you together with this church family, don't forsake its assembly in any of its forms because you bring to the family blessings and gifts and experiences and edification. Your stories of God's faithfulness spur the rest of us on. Your stories of his answered prayers give us faith to believe that he'll still answer ours. Your willingness to be vulnerable and share your struggles give us hope that we can be human and seek God's grace. Not every part is visible at every point, but every part is essential. And the church isn't the fullness of what it could be without each part functioning together. And what I've seen over the last four months has been so encouraging in this light. Because for the last four months, we've restricted the visible parts of the church to literally a handful of people. It was me and Tyler and Heather. And those were the ones we were seeing every week in and week out. But the reality is, guys, the church was thriving through the individual members of the church. And to hear the stories of sacrificial giving to meet the needs, 
to hear the stories of people dropping groceries off at, at the houses of those who were in need or giving rides to and from doctor's appointments and the hospital, your contributions to our 20 fund, which today sits at just $20,000, have allowed us to give to local families and organizations in need. Your prayer support to encourage each other, the sharing together of what God is teaching us, serving now in new ways that we're back on campus, all of that. Guys, that wasn't the public members of the body. That was the body serving and caring for each other, building itself up together in love. Because you were faithful to God's calling in your lives. All of that gives me hope. It gives me hope for this next season that maybe God, through a pandemic, has recalibrated our minds to ask those big questions. What do I have? What's been given to me? And how can I use it to bless the church? And may God help us to do that. And I'm just dreaming about what that means for the next season as the body is serving together, each for the same goal, to build up the body, to exalt Jesus, to bring life and vitality and growth. What might the Lord do in this place? Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word, the challenge, the encouragement it is. Thank you that each of us, God, has been given a place here at the table, a gift, an ability to serve. And I pray that you would strengthen us for service. Make us faithful in the gifts. Help us to prioritize the church gatherings in all their forms. Help us to not forsake the assembling of ourselves together because we realize the value and the essential nature of that gathering, that we need the gifts of our brothers and sisters, and they need ours. I pray that as, our, as we are able to gather, that we would continue to build each other up, strengthen each other, stir each other up to love and to good deeds. And I pray that the body, God, would be strong and vital and vibrant. We rejoice in your faithfulness to us. We ask that you continue to pour out your hand of blessing on us and continue to keep us focused on the gifts that you've given. In Jesus' name, amen. Stand with us if you don't mind.